Welcome back in everyone to a fantastic new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We've got a great new episode in store for you today. And it's a familiar episode of sorts, if you will. Joining us today, we have the playwright John Maybe and the director Zink Tong, who are with the show Impossible Theories of Us. It's another show that's part of the Neurodivergent New Play series, and it's having its performance on November 19th at 2 p.m. at the Vino Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting sourgrapesproductions.com. We're very excited to be bringing you another show from this great new play series and to have these great artists with us. So let's go ahead and welcome on our guests, John Zink. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thanks, Thank Andrew. you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very happy to be here as well. I'm thrilled to have both of you here. I'm thrilled to be learning more about this great show that's part of a wonderful series. And I want to start with you, John. You're the playwright of this great show, Impossible Theories of Us. Could you tell us a little bit more about what this show is about? Yes. Uh, so the play, I would describe it as an epic queer sci-fi love story. And it highlights trans joy without centering trauma, which is very important to me. And I think it also asks questions about the true nature of technology and artificial intelligence and where all this might be headed for humanity. Well, that sounds absolutely fantastic. I really love that. Now, how did you come up with the idea for this show? Yeah, I think as, you know, I'm a big storyteller. I, I love telling stories. I always have since I was young. And for this play specifically, as a, a genderqueer person, I'm very interested in writing plays and stories that will center gender diverse characters in a more joyful way when it comes to identity, specifically here in this play, because there are so many more stories, more like fantastical, fun, exciting, adventurous stories we can be telling with trans characters, even beyond coming out or transitioning. I am seriously all about that. That is wonderful, wonderful to hear. Wonderful that that's being done. And with that, I want to bring on our director now, Zink Tong. How did you come upon this play, The Impossible Theories of Us? Well, that's a journey. Well, for starters, I am neurodivergent and I am non-binary. And both part of my identity has always been really big for me, both personally and professionally, especially in my creative life. So when I heard about Anthony's new neurodivergent new play festival, I just feel an instant hit. And with the mission statement of the festival about giving opportunity and chance for neurodivergent creative artists to work together. So when I was going through all of our 100 plus submissions of those plays, I, I would admit there was a lot of good stuff in there. But some of them, I just feel like I feel engaged as an audience member, but not necessarily enough drive to work with it as a director. And like John, um, feel resonating as a director with feeling resonated with the material. Personally, is a big part of how I chose the materials I want to work with. And when I read about this play, I just feel 
so surprised and so pleasantly finding that my the sci-fi gig part of myself and uh, my gender identity combined is just such a perfect way for the first time ever. I was just so delightfully finding out, like John said, that tr my trans and non-binary identity can be portrayed in a way that's not about trauma, that's not about what you're experiencing in life negatively, but about aspirations, about what achieving what could be possible, about doing high intellectual work in life. So the connection was instant, and I just reached out to John immediately afterwards. That is so fantastic. I want to stick with you, Zink, on this next question and ask, what has it been like developing this piece and getting it ready for the November 19th premiere? So far, we actually just did our first rehearsal, and I'm going into my second rehearsal tonight, right after this. And so far, my developing process has been mostly been sitting with John, actually. I was very fortunate to sit with John to talk about the scenes, about the stories of this play, and about where it comes from for them personally and as like identity-related-wise, and especially the technology part. So that was being very fun. And I was also very fortunate to have John right along with me during our audition process, which is another very fun journey. Cause because of one of the main protagonists in this play is a transgender woman. And so there has always been this big debate in the industry about whether actors identity have to match with the characters. So when I post the audition notice, I expect that people seem to have this common understanding but it seemed to not be that way. So that was very interesting. Even, even though I always feel like to that debate that there's always more nuance than that. It's not an either-all question. It's about whether an actors can bring their lived experience to make the story work authentically the way it intends to. But eventually, I was very fortunate to get the voice out in the gender non-conforming community about this play, and we were able to have a lot of transgender women to read for the part. We were very fortunate to cast two of the best actors among the candidates possible. So that was really great. And after our first rehearsal, we were at the point of researching some of the themes in this play, and such as transhumanism about and uh, artificial intelligence, about spirituality, and especially about transgender and cisgender relationship. I'm very excited to continue rehearsal process with my actors today, right after this. <laughs> that sounds incredible. John, I want to bounce back to you now. Is this the world premiere of your work? Like the first time it's been, I guess, professionally produced or, or the first time it's being heard in front of an audience? Well, great question. Uh, and also, I just want to say, too, I, I you could see why I love working with Zinc. Everything Zinc had to say about connecting to the show, I am so fortunate to be working with Zinc as a director. I feel so 
excited and comfortable and confident in all of Zinc's skills bring this to the stage. So it's it's not the world premiere since it's a directed reading. So it, it's not being fully produced as it would be as a, a full production. But uh, it's a, a huge, huge honor for me that it's being brought to life with this amazing team, with the conversations I had with Zinc about the world of the play and the characters. And Zinc has had such amazing questions for me about the play itself. I feel like I'm always learning more through this creative team. And with Denny and Samek bringing these characters to life on stage, it's it's going to be really special. I, I've heard it once before as a directed reading at the Fulton Theater in Pennsylvania. And there I worked with just such an amazing team also that that was the the first time I've been in a room with the director and performers and had to talk back about it as well. And I learned so much about the play through the audience's experience of it and hearing their questions and their perceptions. And that's why these readings are so important because all of that goes back into the play and just makes it stronger. I love that. So I kind of want to build on everything you've said so far, John. I mean, you've got this great show that tackles a lot or addresses a lot of boxes that aren't necessarily addressed in the mainstream of theater, both with neurodivergence and with gender and things of that nature. Is there a message or a thought you're hoping the audiences will take away from your piece? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think first and foremost is that there is so much talent in the trans and non-binary community that there's there's so many amazing performers out there that are doing incredible work. And I really believe that we need to see more plays being written specifically for these performers to be uh, living a more authentic experience as characters, as trans and non-binary characters and genderqueer characters on stage. The talent is there. We just need more roles for these performers to really shine. And for my play specifically, I I hope audiences will come to the play with with questions about artificial intelligence and 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 what this might look like in a very intimate story and from the play they have more insights about what it means to be human in a digital world and and how our stages can really reflect that world with the exceptional talent of these gender diverse performers that is fabulous. I love that. Zinc, as the director, what is the message or thought you're hoping that audiences will take away from the show? I always feel so connected whenever John mentioned about the joy and aspiration of this play. And I think underneath all this content of this play that we're presenting such as transgender and transhuman experiences, I think the most important message is about the ability to hope and to love yourself. I hope the audience can walk away feeling as if they could live with joy. They have the ability to hope for more and always open to possibilities and impossibilities because in this vast universe, as many of us have heard this saying that 
our existence itself is a miracle. And when our existence are interconnected, this miracle just shine even better. I hope people walk away from this show feeling warm, feeling they can love themselves and love others who are around them. And they're not feeling alone anymore. They are cared and seen and heard. That is so beautiful. I love that. My final question for this first part of the interview is, who do you hope have access to impossible theories of us? And Zinc, I'd like to start with you first on that. I think to this question, it kind of connects to my answer for the last question a little bit, because I myself feeling like there is a light that is shining through me when I first come upon this play. And that's how I feel it would bring to others who access this show. I hope people who feel like they are in the darkness, people who feel like there's not enough hope, people who feel like they're alone, they're not seen and heard enough, when they access show, they feel like they're cared for, they're held together. I hope everyone, I feel like that is kind of a universal experience, I guess. People who feel like there's enough hope, who feel like they don't have enough hope can access the show and this show will bring that kind of hope to them. I love that. That's beautiful. John, how about you? Who are you hoping to have access to your show? I just have to say to Zinc, that was so beautiful. I'm, I'm, oh, that makes me feel so happy and warm and hopeful hearing you talk about your experience of, of who you want to really see this work. And I affirm all of it. It is, that ex- is, that's exactly how I feel. And I, I, I'm, I'm someone who I've experienced a lot of loss and, and, and grief in my life. And it's something for me that grief is something that never really goes away. It just changes shape and form as you progress in life. And when, for people coming to the show, I hope people have access to the show who have that experience of grief in their life, but they're, they're living with that grief. And when you're in the middle of grief, like, like the characters are, you also find of intense happiness that sneak up on you and surprise you. And I hope people have access to the show that are, are, are looking for different sides of what grief looks like, even the moments of those unexpected happy times. And for people who, who really enjoy complicated love stories and fantasy and who really want to experience some joyful moments of gender euphoria. for our second part of the interview and let our listeners pick your brains a little bit, get to know you a little bit more. And I want to start off by asking the perennial question I always kick this off with, which is what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites? And John, I would love to start with you first on this, if I may. Absolutely. 
I'm I, I'm someone who falls in love with plays and playwrights constantly. I am for me, it, it's always the newest play that I've read. There's something about it, a character or a plot development that I just fall in love. And so I think what's really inspiring to me are things that I've read very recently. And and some of those plays are by Lynn Nottage, Intimate Apparel. Um, that play, the the structure of it and the dialogue is just perfection to me. I also recently read Cost of Living by Martina Mayak, and that play took me to such emotional depths. And I think for emotional honesty, that that play hits it out of the park. And then a play called Sagittarius Ponderosa by M.J. Kaufman. It's to really explore with gender diverse playwrights and gender diverse characters. That play had such a beautiful fantasy element to it that has just stayed with me as I continue to write my pieces. And also a big shout out to Paula Vogel, a playwright and a person who is so incredibly talented and warm and giving to playwrights. I had the joy of having a conversation with her recently at a conference and it it changed me, if I could say, on a molecular level. Just that powerful of a presence. Just to give a big shout out to Paula Vogel. And then lastly, one more. Uh, this is a play that I saw and I read many, many years ago, but it's called Anatomy of a Suicide and it's by a playwright, Alice Birch. And that play opened my mind and my eyes to what a, a play could look like and the how the you could play with the structure of the world of a play in a way that might appear confusing, but if you have faith in your audience to stay with you on that emotional journey, then it will resonate in a very clear way. And I think that play has shaped me as a playwright more than any other play that I've read in the past 10 years. Some wonderful names there. And I completely agree with that list. That's beautiful. Zink, what about you? What are who inspires you? First of all, John, I love your list. Love every single one of them. And I love Sagittarius Panorosa as well because it's from a collection in which called a masculine drama book of transplays, I think. And I love every single one of them. I am someone who really pay attention to who wrote the play and what the play is written for. And another play coming from that collection is called She, He, Me by a Jordanian trans playwright called Raphael Huri. And it's a documentary play about three gender non-conforming people, their lives and their navigation with the society. That play inspired me so much. I feel like I'm basically building my career towards doing something like that. And another play that I really love is called Dressing Code, um, written by a Taiwanese playwright called Jian Liying. So it's about two souls reincarnated over and over across generations. And during every generation, they might be a man, they might be a woman, they take on different professions, they have different kinds of lives, but they always find each other and love each other. Sometimes they end up happily, sometimes end up tragically. That was just a play setting an environment that I'm familiar with but also in some sort of fantasy that I know 
is not true, but there's familiar and non-familiar elements in it. And I have to shout out to someone I really admire and a mentor of mine, who, and that's Dale Orlando Smith, who's a poet and writer and a great actress. She did a lot of one-woman shows across the country about real events. So while I was learning with her, she something she said that always ring truth in my heart, which is when you're approaching real subjects in life and create something out of it, always have your heart filled with empathy and willingness to understand. Even with subjects that you might not agree with, that's the only way to create the work that helps push us as a society forward. So this is just some of the examples I can think of at this moment. <laughs> that is a fabulous list as well, though. Some wonderful inspirations that you two have named. I love it. Have either of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Yes, I recently saw a production of English uh, at the Alliance Theater here in Atlanta, Georgia by Sanaz Tusi. And it it was an incredible performance by all of the cast. And it the show just transferred to the Barrington Stage Company in Massachusetts. And I believe it goes for another couple weeks through mid-October. So if you happen to be near Barrington Stage Company, definitely check it out. There's a phenomenal trans actress, Pugia Mosaini, who I got to know when I lived in New York about, we met about 10 years ago. Or no more. Oh gosh, more. Time goes by fast. Puya is such an incredible actress and it was a joyful reunion to see her here. And she's with the production now at Barrington Stage Company. So definitely check that out. To me, I have to recommend Salesman Zhisi. So this is a play written by a great mentor of mine, Jeremy Tian. And they've done a couple of workshops over the last couple of years, unfortunately, in the middle of pandemic as well. And they're about to open in Connolly Theatre in a couple of days, I think. It's about how Arthur Miller bring the death of Salesman into China and put on the production of it in 1980s. So Arthur Miller is the only person who speaks English in this play and everybody else speaks Chinese. It's very bilingual and about it's a play about making of a play so the meta nature is another favorite genre of mine and but more importantly it really resonates with me as an immigrant and non-binary person who always walk in liminal spaces as every single character in that play is sort of struggle with an either or question and sometimes decides maybe there's no such thing as either or after all so yeah, almost open soon. <laughs> I love both of those recommendations. Great shows. We actually just had Salesman Jisoo, I think it is. Yep, close. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I don't have my notes right in front of me. I struggled when I did the interview, but we just had them on. And I completely agree. When, when I got the press release sent to us, I was like, we must have them on. This sounds amazing. So I'm so glad you both mentioned those two shows. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Zinc, I would love to start with you on that. I have to say it's about people. I think especially after my first rehearsal with the two actors in Impossible Series of Us, 
all three of us just mentioned how much euphoria and excitement we had, we experienced at the end of the day with black and brown queer bodies in the room, just, just about creating stories. Because I feel like people in theater have mentioned about the joy of working with people and building community in theater so much now. It sometimes sounds like a cliche, but I, I feel like that still rings so much truth today, especially because the first rehearsal was so close. And I am someone who's not to be described as very outgoing and social person. I feel like because of theater, I have found my community I have found a place that I get my voice heard and I get to just bonding with other people who are like me or who are not like me. And we don't necessarily have to go through what the society has asked us to, but still building a fun family together where there's so much stories and joy to be shared. And every day when I think about that, it's a it's unbelievable realization for me. <laughs> That is so lovely. Absolutely lovely. John, how about you? For me, I think the people in community are the biggest source of joy for me when it comes to working in the theater. Also, especially as a writer, it's such a solitary thing to sit alone in a room and and have these characters and these stories in my head that I'm in conversation with them and I, I get that down on paper, but at the end of the day, it's still me alone in a room. And it's not until it that those words and those characters get in the hands of like Zinc and directors and performers and they say them aloud that they become even more real to me, that the story becomes grounded in a way that it could never be just on my own. And then the experience of the audience hearing and watching the play and then having their reaction to those words, which sometimes audiences will have during talkbacks, will hear people talk about the, the story and they'll have a very different experience of a moment or a character or an arc that I did as the writer. But it, it's, it, that's wonderful because it's no longer mine. Once someone hears and watches my story, it becomes their story and it changes the, the the meanings and the moments change. And even though it's might not be my experience, I think it's such a beautiful thing to have a story that comes from me take on a life of its own and to, to change in a very organic way. And that only comes from community with other people. Another fabulous answer. I mean, absolutely. I, I feel like theater goes hand in hand with family or with community. You can't have one without the other. You know what I mean? So that is a beautiful answer. And that leads us to my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Again, because of community, I am also an artist facilitator working with community uh, engagement theater. So. I was fortunate to, enough to work with a director of salesman, shout out to Michael, on a community specific project. We were working with English language students, but who are also adults, developing a theater project with them about what it's like to live 
in Sunset Park, Brooklyn as immigrants and the day-to-day -day difficulties they navigate and the joy they experience. The title of the show was called Care Slash Fall. So we actually hold that uh, theater presentation in a bar in the back room of a bar where all the family members of the performers are present, their children, their grandchildren, everybody was there. So after our performance, everybody was grabbing a bite, were dancing, chatting, sharing contact information with each other. And then just sadly out of nowhere, because the performance were comprised of some Chinese auntie and some Latina aunties, people would just suddenly start putting on some music and automatically just start dancing in a big circle. I am not a dancer. And I sometimes a little social phobic, I dare to say. But I was associated in directing this piece. So some of the Latina aunties just grabbed me right into the circle, join everybody despite I don't know every any single move. But that dance in a big circle with all these people I worked with for six months or so was so memorable to me. I didn't feel awkward. I didn't feel scared. Everybody was having such huge smile on them with children and grandchildren running around in and out. There was so much joy in that. I, I never knew that I could experience. That absolutely is my favorite theater memory. I love that. How oh, wonderful. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. John, how about you? What is your favorite theater memory? Wow, I think that that has now become my favorite theater memory and I wasn't even there. That sounds so amazing. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing that. Wow. If, you know, mine is, is I'm, I'm going to go way back for this one. When I was much, much younger, I was a young teenager. I, I left home for the first time and I was in London and I saw one of my very first musicals, which was Chicago and the West End. And I got the day of seat, like a single seat in the front row. And I, I, was, I, I, was, I was just sitting there so enthralled by everything. And I think for the entire show, I sat literally like on the edge of my seat, leaning. I, I, I just wanted to be on stage with them because I was so impressed and enthralled by the performances and the singing and everything. Well, when the musical ended, one of the performers had fake rope. So it was a prop and as people were, were were clapping she reached down and she gave me the rose and it was I, I was I was shocked and she whispered to me she said like the entire cast has been talking about you this entire show watching your face as we've been performing and to have that experience as my first like musical theater experience it changed me so much uh, in like many ways. But the biggest way was I realized, wait, the performers on stage, they're watching us in the audience as much as we're watching them. And, and, and so now as I write, I'm always thinking about that relationship between audience and, and performer and how we're not watching Netflix in front of our TVs. When you're in a theater, like it's, it's this, it's this like, almost spiritual experience where you're, you're all performers together. And so for my first like musical experience, I could not think of something better than that time when I was a young teenager. That is incredible. 
wow. Oh my gosh. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Both of you, thank you so much for those memories. Those were incredible. Are there any other projects or productions that either of you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Well, this play, uh, Impossible Theories of Us, will have another reading coming up, actually, directed reading in Connecticut at a Playhouse on Park, and it'll be in winter, I believe, in February of 2024. Fantastic! I I am currently co-directing a one-woman comedy called Use Your Words by Karen Eleanor White. It's a wordless comedy about the joy and the pain of motherhood. And it's open on October 23rd as a tank. And the other thing is I'm also currently in pre-production for a devising piece about gender non-conforming folks of color, how about, about how gender and culture affects our day-to-day -day life. And some of them might be just joy and positive. And some of them might be mundane and not heard that much enough. I have to say, obviously, I took the biggest inspiration from Impossible Series of Us, the audacity to speak of joy for trans and non-binary lives. Now, I guess it's becoming the themes of my life. And it will be part of the new school's Apex Festival. It will happen at the Here Arts Center in April. That is amazing. I am so over the moon about all the things the two of you have coming down the pipeline. And that actually leads me to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about impossible theories of us or about the either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to the two of you. How can they do that? For, for me, um, I, if you go to my website, I finally have a website and it's a really easy spot to just find out what's coming up or about more of the, about the productions or, or just, just about, you know, me and my background. It's maybeplays.com and it's M-A-B-E-Y. And also on Instagram at jmaybe. And I think for more about the play itself and also to buy tickets, I just want to say again, the producer of of this series, Anthony Piccioni. I'm so grateful that this play is a part of, of, of this series and definitely go to his website for more information about tickets, which I believe is mentioned at the top of the show. Same. You can find me at my website, shinzinkton.com. Shin is X-I-N-Z-I-N-C-T-O-N-G.com. And for the play and more information about the play, you can find it at sourgrapesproduction.com. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's correct. Wonderful. Well, John, Zink, thank you both for taking the time today to speak with me about this incredible work, Impossible Theories of Us, and for sharing your insight and your memories. This has been such a delightful conversation. I hope it's the first of many. So thank you both for your time today. Thank you, Andrew. I had such an amazing time. This is a great podcast series you have. It's an honor to be here and always a, a huge joy to be with, with Zinc in any situation. <laughs> oh, John, you're too kind. And yes, Andrew, thank you so much for having us on. I've been hyped about this for like two weeks now. <laughs> Thank you both so much for those kind words. You're wonderful. 
My guests today have been the playwright John Maybe and the director Zing Tong, who are part of the show Impossible Theories of Us. It's part of the Neurodivergent New Play series, and it's being performed November 19th at 2 p.m. at the Vino Theater. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting sourgrapesproductions.com. We also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be posting in our episode description, as well as on our social media posts. But this is yet another great show from this wonderful new play series that we encourage you to head on out to Brooklyn to the Vino Theater to check out. It's Impossible Theories of Us, and it's having its reading November 19th at 2 p.m. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.